podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am joined by Ash. We're here to talk about Arsenal versus Fulham, the good, the bad and the ugly. A uh, bit of a disappointing result out there. Ash, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Cheers, mate. Yeah, a uh, bit flat after that, that last sort of 10 minutes. I think we uh, we controlled that game without actually controlling it. I think it's probably how I'd describe that. Yeah, it felt like uh, when when a, when Mourinho would have 30% of the game. Yeah. You know, yeah. Kind, of, kind of felt like it was in their hands. A lot of good chances there. Yeah. It's a very physical game as well. I, didn't, I don't know if you got that sense. Fulham looked like they'd phoned up Harlequins down the road and borrowed a few bodies. Yeah, Fulham looked very well organised out there today. You know, considering they just lost their best player to Saudi Arabia, didn't seem to be much reaction there. A yeah. lot of talent out there that they've still got in the ranks. Paulinho coming back was big for them. It was, and he's t- yeah. I didn't think he'd last that long. I thought he was no. going off. Uh, he didn't. Uh, and Arsenal conceding... Three chances, three shots on target all game, two goals. Yeah. Nick Fulham's XG was, I mean, it was like 0.45 when I looked at it last yeah. time. It's just that, like a bit of a pattern. Was that their first attempt at goal on the in, when they scored that second goal in the second half? I think it was. Yeah, it was that, they had three shots on target all game. Awful, awful. And uh, and just to rub salt in the wound, uh, the, the their first goal, it was a duffed chip. Just not when it goes against you. It's, uh, it's, it goes against you. But listen, we're gonna we're gonna get into this game. There's plenty of stuff to talk about. Um, but I wanted to do a little tradition we have on the show. Hottest, hottest of takes. takes. Hottest of takes. Three hottest of takes. The AOP hottest of takes. Make it spicy. Ash, we're literally minutes after the whistle. I don't know whether you've had time to formulate a hottest of takes or whether your hottest of takes has changed based on the well, late the late game. It changed and I'm changing it back. So, look, there are some positives to take out this game. My hottest of takes was uh, we definitely started a little bit jalapeno uh, in the first half. And those changes came at the right time and we went a bit scotch bonnet. So, my hottest of takes was the subs. I think Zinchenko and Ketia and Vieira completely took the game by the scruff of the neck uh, and got us to where we were. I mean, that on another day, we would have lost that game if we'd carried on playing the way we had. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree there. I think my hottest take kind of riffs off of where you're going. Uh, when you when you make galaxy brain moves and you win, you're a genius. But when you make galaxy brain moves and it breaks up the football and things aren't quite as smooth and the result doesn't go your way, the big question that people are going to ask after the game is, "What were you thinking?" And my, you know, everybody was begging for Trossard to come into the team over Eddie. Trossard came into the team and it didn't look good. Um, I felt like we lacked a point person and I think he made too many changes. I think it was um, that the team felt a little bit, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a bad performance in the first half, but I, I felt like we didn't need to have that first half. I felt like there was enough familiarity in the system. We didn't have a lot of injuries. I don't know why he felt the need to be that unpredictable against Fulham. What do you think? I think, um, I think that's fair, but I think he understood that Fulham were playing a different game to perhaps what he'd anticipated, and that's why the changes happened. I mean, they were they were dragging us, pushing us down the wings a lot more. We were having to cross the ball in. We weren't set up to play that way with Leo Trossard there. Havertz was getting into positions, but not really kind of 
the finished product yet. I think that will come in time, by the way. I'm not criticising the player. But I think that's why the changes worked. Um, now, why you start that way, only the only the manager knows. They've done more opposition analysis than us. But, you know, Fulham have not been great this season. I think Leno's the, what, the most... He's had the most saves out of any keeper in the Premier League in the first two games. He's stopped a dead set three goals a game or something. So... It felt like we were always going to be frustrated somehow. And as I said, Palinho coming back really shored them up in the middle. Um, I, I think you can hindsight's a wonderful thing. I, I had no, I had no issue with the team selection. Um, I thought the Kivior thing makes sense if Zinchenko's not up to playing a full game yet. Uh, he's not going to play two that invert, so that puts Party at right back for now. Um, I'm not a fan of it all the time. I can see why it's happening, um, and in certain games, it's going to work well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think we would have got a different outcome if he, you know, put Eddie in at the start instead of Trossard. Um, I don't think he would have started with Zinchenko anyway because of the fitness thing. So we should start on topic, Ash. The starting 11, it, it was a bit mad. We had an incredibly strong bench. Do you think that Arteta picked his best 11 based on the opposition or do you think he's using this early part of the season to remind everybody in the squad that you're going to get chopped and changed all season don't moan about it it's happening to everybody nobody is above getting rotated and the second part of that question is are you pleased that he's taking rotation seriously because the last three seasons that we've had with Arteta it's been one eleven, and we're going to run up yeah I've uh, lost you a bit here so are you there Pete not sure if you can hear me. Maybe you can tell me in the comments. Mm-hmm. Hard at that until it breaks. Oh, we back? Yeah, we're back. We're back. Um, I think I heard your question there, but um, the I think the second piece on the rotation thing, like the only way you can tell your players are going to do it is by doing it. And I think you're right. We're going to have to rotate. And I think in prior seasons, he's not had the squad to do it. So... I think that's the expectation now. And I think if the players don't understand it already, then there's a bigger issue. Um, there doesn't seem to be any disharmony in the squad around it. I mean, we're only three games in. With a squad this size at the moment, you can't play, can't have played everyone in three games. So I think there's, uh, I think there's that. I think he definitely set up for the way he thought Fulham might play. I think, um, uh, I think there's an element of that without a doubt. Um, I don't think there's an issue that we had looked 10 days between our first game and the second game and then six days between that. Maybe that came into it a little bit early on. Um, but as I said before, I, I, the starting 11 made sense on paper. It didn't turn up and play the way we wanted it to. I think it's the issue. Yeah. I, I think that I think that sometimes he just gets a little bit too clever by half. Like, I, I, I don't mind... Um, I don't mind the rotation, but I felt like uh, Zinchenko start him and then take him off after 60 minutes, get control of the game early. Um, I, our fullback situation, you've got a centre... You, if you're starting Zinchenko, would you have started Kivior at centre-half or Big Gabby at centre-half and Ben White at right-back and not had Thomas Party in? I think that if you're going to have a crazy idea with a fullback, you've got you've to at least make sure 50% of your fullbacks are actual fullbacks, you know? Like, yeah, like, it, so it, just, gonna... it just feels, yeah, it just feels like Thomas Partey at right back and Kivior at left back. That's a centre back and a defensive midfielder. And it, it looked horrible at times. It wasn't yeah. shocking. 
but it's like just just give yourself a little bit of an out like that that feels like you're going all in on craziness you know it's, if it it just felt like a little bit too much risk and i don't think it i don't think it really worked and you know we saw give you all come off do you think uh, this is a, a last hail mary before the window closes to find some cover now that timbers out for the season I don't know. I mean, do you think that, you know, Mourinho used to do it back in the day to make a point that he needed extra funds? Look what I'm look what I'm having to do. Do you think yeah. that there could be a little bit of that with Arteta? I mean, he is ruthless about getting what he needs and having to go back with, with the begging bowl again to say, oh, I just need another 40. Yeah, just need well, another 40 to make sure that I've got what yeah. I need in fullback position. Exactly. And get and get a few of these guys out the uh, out the door as well. So, uh, yeah, look, I think there might be an element of that. It's hard to tell with Mikel. I think he's... Uh, He's he he comes across as a very very forthright and straight straightforward kind of guy, but I suspect there's a bit of the dark arts around him as well on some of this stuff. Hundred percent, hundred percent. He wants to get what he wants to get, and he'll do whatever he needs. Very transactional guy. Um, before we go into the next section, make sure you're smacking that like. I can see a lot of you in that room. Did you all hit the like? I don't think so. Hit the like, otherwise we're not. We're gonna we're gonna finish it. We're gonna end the podcast. Have we done it? Marvelous. Okay. Let's move on to the next subject, conceding goals. I think we're the only team to have conceded three goals inside a minute, inside a calendar year. Not the best of records. Um, your best player making an errant pass, the Fulham player trying a chip and scuffing it into the net. Um, Ash, what's going on with these early goals? And do you think some of the comments against Aaron Rams there are a little bit unfair because people are saying, I want Raya in. So, uh, look, I think it's an issue. I think teams have clearly figured this out against us. Um, three is not a coincidence. You know, um, you, you talk about those ones at the back, you know, earlier in the year. So Bournemouth, we conceded off pretty much from the kickoff, didn't we? Um, earlier yep. in the year, and there was one other as well. Look, I think there's something, you know, they've got to do some work on being switched on. I think the corner was very similar, by the way. We switched off. We thought we'd won the game. The movement was terrible. And I think we... Look, we all talk about the set-piece coach and everyone sort of raves and all this kind of stuff, but we are switching off from those set-pieces. And the kickoff is a set-piece, right? I mean, at the end of the day. Um, so I think there's something that we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, it's I think really, really I think difficult to analyse it, though, isn't it? It's like, listen, guys, we're going to work on the first minute. <laughs> you know, like, what's, uh, what's going... You know, do, do you think that in those moments, part of it is down to we're still an inexperienced side. Like average age of our starting 11 is probably sub 24 at the moment. That is a really young team that, you know, the, the youngest team in the Premier League was Southampton last year and they went down. Um, it's unusual to have a team this young and maybe this is just part of the learning process because City don't do this. Well, look, I think it's, I think it's one thing to say we're young, but if you look at the number of games these players have played, like Saka's 22 and played north of 200 games. Declan Rice is the same. You know, Gabby Martinelli is getting up to three figures. Like, they've got experience, Right. So I think the age thing is a little bit of a red herring. I do think the number of changes we've made and the way we've changed our style of play in between the back end of last season and this season is contributing to to what's going on. There has been more change, I would argue, now and not just personnel, like the way he wants to play is changing as well. So I think there's a lot going on. I think there's an element of that in it as well. Yeah, I, I I wonder whether um, Arteta is using the start of the season because he sees the benefits of this new idea coming to fruition in the back end of the season against big teams. Yeah, I, I by the way, that that's fair. You look at Man City; they didn't start anywhere near as quick as we did last year. And I think 
we're always going to compare it to the most sort of recent thing that we can remember. I mean, gone of it. I don't remember a year. I mean, you look at the numbers last year. We've never, never played like that when we've won a title in the, the first half of the season. So I don't think we need to get disheartened, but we do need to make sure that this is step up, step up, step up, step up. Now, look, drawing a game isn't exactly a disaster. It's not like we've gone and lost that game, but we need to make sure we, we, we stay in these. I think the performance gives me heart, you know, the second half that makes us think, actually, we should be okay. But yeah, I don't know. Still early, isn't it? It is early, yeah. And I think you're right. It's The key is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, you know, we're going to pick up plenty of draws this season. We p- picked up plenty of draws in the Invincible season Yeah, um, against some some pretty average teams. I don't think Fulham are an average team. I feel like they're going to get points off some of the big boys yeah. this year. I mean, they stood their own, right? You know, yeah. they had a very, very good shape all game. They look fit it's, and uh, they're going to cause problems on the counter in any yeah. transition. It's always harder for London teams as well, right? We play nine derbies a year. And yeah. I know Fulham's not exactly a, a glamour or anything like that, but, you know, there's a, there is an element of that to this. And I, I do think that, that we can talk about the, the sloppy first half because I saw some of those stats tweeters, you know, criticising the horseshoe attack, the sloppy defence, and people were really going hard at that first half performance. And I sometimes think to myself, guys, remember where we were. Just remember where we were. And not, you know, not to say that you, you can't criticise, but that first half, they had one shot on target and they scored it and it was a miscued shot. And it came from an unforced error. Uh, we had eight shots, four on target. We generated 1.4 XG. And somehow we go into the second half losing. And everyone's saying it's a terrible performance. Now, there were elements that weren't right. And I thought the passing was a little bit off. Uh, the finishing obviously wasn't there. But by, by any standard, eight shots and four on target in a first half is Pretty decent. Um, well, what, think, did, what did you make of the first half? Yeah, mate, I, I, I'm 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 actually pretty much in line with what you said. I think the the doom mongers are always going to be doom mongers. Okay, we could have been two 0 up, and they would have been arguing we should have been five. But the my, I thought the reaction was good because I think within I think eight you said eight shots. I think three of them came within five or ten minutes of us conceding. Actually, uh, we were camped for large parts on you know on their 22 yard line and playing much, much higher up. And I think that comes with its own challenges. I I don't think the performance was stopping. You were right. There was a lot of challenge. It was challenged to make the moves and the, the, the players wanted to make when you were that crowded in the box. So I do think there are going to be errant passes in that environment. So I think the, the, the situation dictated a little bit of that. Um, but again, if we were playing this game 15 games into the season, I think we'd be a lot sharper and I think you'd see a bit of difference. Agree. All right, let's go on to the next topic. I want to talk about um, Ben White at the back. I don't think many podcasts would be focusing in on uh, Ben White, but it doesn't. It hasn't gone unnoticed that Gabriel is sitting on the bench and Ben White and Saliba, two people that we thought were competing for a place at the start of last season, uh, now seem to have found them their way into a into a bit of a partnership. Um, I didn't think we'd see Ben White back at centre-back. I thought he'd be competing for right-back. Arteta obviously loves him. Um, what do you make of this new partnership? Arteta yeah. said it was tactical at the start of the season, but we're now three games in, and it seems to be it seems to be the thing. Um, I, what, what do you make of it? I, I think it's a bit like the Zin, you don't play Zinchenko and Party full-back right, together. I think 
if you're playing party at fullback, he wants Ben White on that right side to be able to cover him at right back. We're clearly moot. We had what? I don't know what. What were the possession stats today? 60, 70 percent. I'm thinking something like that. Yeah, well, for 60 or 70% of the time, we're really playing with three at the back, right? And in that scenario, this makes complete sense. In in having, you know, Thomas Party at right back and wanting Ben White to be able to come across and cover, I think it makes absolute sense. The real question for me is if we start Zinchenko, I think we will see Gabby, Willow and Ben White in the other three positions in defence. So I, I, I believe him when he says it's tactical. I think we need to see that demonstrated when Party isn't playing right back. What do you think it'll be for United? Do you think he's gonna? Do you think he's gonna go galaxy brain against United, or do you no. think after that result he'll, you know, go back to something that feels a little bit more familiar? I think he'll do something a little bit more familiar. I think the attack might be where he makes some more changes. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I think after that performance from Vieira today, I think you know. Does Harvitz keep his starting place? If I thought Vieira was fantastic, don't know where did that come from. He had his ready. He must have had his ready break this morning or something along those lines. I don't know. By the way, look, it still still looks like he had a small bowl of ready break though. Yeah, but by the way, he hasn't built any muscle. The conditions were filthy. I mean, yeah. you know, in periods of that game, let's not forget that to try and play the football we're playing when you got that thunder and that sheeting rain coming down is not easy. No, definitely not. Um, we're going to go pure cliche here. It was uh, it was a shocking, shocking first half by our high standards because we were losing. Yeah. Um, but the second half, Arteta lent in to his luxurious looking bench, and we saw a substitute almost instantly. Very rare for Mikel Arteta to make halftime changes, but he brought on uh, Eddie Nketiah, and then he continued to change up the game by bringing on uh, Zinchenko, put Jesus on right at the end. And uh, and our man, Fabio Vieira. And Ash, what did you make of the subs and the impact they had on the game? What did they do? I uh, I thought the subs were made at absolutely the right times. I thought they were bang on. Um, you could have made an argument on uh, on perhaps the Zinchenko one a bit earlier. Um, it looked like the kind of game that he, he, he really suited him, actually. But um, look, he got, he got those right. The Vieira thing... I think we're all the same. We all want to see ESR come at some point, and it looks like they're all competing for that position. But I think the way Zinchenko played gave Vieira that freedom uh, completely to to kind of come from deep. Those running balls, he was putting in crosses. He was playing the through balls. Um, I, I thought you know there was that relationship with Martinelli was starting to 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 come to fruition. He was bang on for the penalty. I mean the guys the reason we got those two goals at the end of the day. Um, weird to say man of the match, but probably is, right? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I thought that Eddie coming on at halftime, I was a little bit, I was wondering, what's he going to do? Last season, he's he's not really an impact sub. Like he yeah. needs a run of games and he needs to play 90 minutes. But I was wondering, I was like, is Eddie going to change it up this season? He needs to be able to impact whenever he comes on. And do, do you not think the physicality of, of Fulham meant that you needed Eddie in there rather than Trossard? Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. But I don't even know what was wrong with Trossard today. I mean, he was a player of uh, player of preseason, in my opinion. Yeah, scored beautiful goals. Um, he just looked on fire, and the rain came down, and he just it, you know his, his passing was off. Um, 
He, he, you're right. He looked like he was eaten up physically. Yeah. He just he just wasn't at the races. This is a guy that played for Brighton. I mean, it's not like he's been, uh, you know, enjoying luxury times playing at Barcelona. He's um, he knows how to, to to mix it. He knows how to to, to play at tough away games. Um, but he didn't do it at home. And I thought, you know, a lot of people have been calling for him to start over Eddie. But then I was really pleased to see the contrast because Eddie doesn't get enough praise for the for his pace. His hold-up play, he's all-round game, right? I think Eddie's been one of our best players this season. Yeah, agreed. I really do. And it's interesting, you know, the, the game last week or earlier in the week against Palace, um, I thought he played more like Gabby Jesus than he played like Eddie Nketiah, to be honest, um, in some of that game, the way he was coming from, uh, coming in, you know, the, the hold-up work and all the extra work he was putting in. I think he's a different player to him, and I think he's still growing and I think he's getting better um I'm not one of these people that thinks that we should take a chance on a guy who did okay in France so did Alex Lacazette right I mean I think Eddie's our man and um unless he's gonna go and spunk another hundred million on someone but um I, I look the Leo thing I think maybe he wanted to do the rotation thing whatever it was um Eddie's played every minute so far isn't he pretty much yeah. Gabby, Gabby Jay's on his way back. So I think he was just mixing it up a bit. But look, he made the call straight away. And I think, look, the physical centre-halves was one thing, but we were being pushed out to the flanks. There were more and more crosses coming in. And Leo Trossard's not your guy on that, I don't think. No. Two, 2.5 games for Eddie. He's scored two goals. He's earned a penalty. He's yeah. got a player sent off. Yeah. And he ch- helped change the narrative for the game. Let's talk about um, a player who also had a really good game. And there, there's a we'll talk about the Fabio redemption tour. I said last season that I thought that he would be a player that surprised people, and then I've subsequently been flamed by people for making that choice. This season looks like we might have a we might have a player on our hands because he was good in preseason, scored a screamer uh, against Barcelona. Arteta obviously is personally invested in making sure Fabio comes good, I, as I understand it. He was a chief scout on this player. Uh, but all you can do is have good performances. And I thought Fabio came on today, Ash. I thought he looked really, really good. What did you make of the performance? And what has changed? Because he definitely looked like a different guy out there. Yeah, he looked, he looked like a different player today. And there were, we saw signs of it, didn't we? A bit more in preseason. Um, and I think that's one of the things that we forget. You know, we always forget. Yeah, it's easy to remember what happened last week and the week before. But... Look, he came to us at the back end of the window injured last year. He didn't get a full preseason with us. You know, we've all talked about his build and the kind of player he is. And, you know, the Premier League is going to take time. Um, you know, he had a, you know, he had some good performances last season, but not consistent by any stretch of the imagination. And I think he's growing into it. And I think today was the exact kind of performance he needed to deliver, which was you're being sent on we're one nil down to help grab, grab this game. Cause we're in control of it. We need something different to get the ball in the back of the net. And he turned up and did it. Um, so hopefully this is the beginning of that ascendancy and that rise into providing real competition in that sort of left eight, which is I think where he's going to be playing, um, whether it's him or Harvard's or ESR over time or Trossard or God knows it's quite exciting when you think about those names, isn't it? Um, but look, Fair play to the guy. He, he, we've been looking for this for a while and he's turned up and he's delivered. Now, the question is, the postman comes every day. Is he going to come do it every day? 
That's it. The difference between a, a top player and an average player yeah. is consistency. I was just looking at Adama Traore out there fluffing his lines That's late on right. in the game and just thinking, remember when he was being touted as an 85 to 90 million pound player at Manchester City were interested and he doesn't show up often enough. No. Doesn't do it in the, you know, that final action just doesn't have it. I also think, do you not think he, I don't know, he seems to have a really heavy touch today. I don't know. I haven't seen he looks amazing. too heavy as a footballer as well. He's, yeah, he's so built. I wonder if um, if that gets in the way. But ultimately, he doesn't put the ball in the back of the net, and he doesn't create a lot of assists. Guy, guy got moved to Barcelona, and now he's at Fulham. Not going well for him. Um, but definitely a weapon, and seems to always yeah. show up a little bit for Arsenal. Um, just want to hang on the Fabio Vieira conversation a little bit. Oh, I've, I've, I've had people put out to me that uh, Smith Rowe is looking for a move out of the club. Uh, he's on the bench today, didn't come off the bench. Fabio Vieira has taken his place, don't you think? Do you think that the him coming on, we've gone for, he's gone from being one of the star boys to Mikel Arteta is just not interested. What's happened there? Is it just a lack of availability? Because uh, he, he saved Arteta's career, that Chelsea game, remember? Yeah, look, I, I, everything we say about the manager and he says one thing, we think he's lying or he's not, right? And to be fair, he's been right most of the time he said all this stuff. So I'm inclined to believe him this when he's saying he's not going to sell him. Um, I do think there'll be game time for him. I really do. Um, I I don't know why. I think Vieira's had more preseason than him. ESR obviously came back late uh, from having played in the under-21s. Maybe he didn't think it was this kind of game. I think he's going to be in the squad. I think there are other players that are priority to get out first. Now, look, we, none of us know what's going on with the finances. Um, and if that's something that has to be taken into account, I hope it isn't. But we're five days away. I don't think we're about to panic sell ESR. No, I hope not. I love him. I love him. I, I, I love the guy too. <laughs> he's, you know, he's, got the, he's had the surgery. He's playing without pain for the first time in his career. I thought he would have an impact in the back half of last season. Didn't get it. I thought that he might be a contender to... Um, take over from Granit Xhaka doesn't appear the case doesn't even appear that he's number two in that do, role do you think that Havertz was clearly an opportunistic buy I don't think that was a, a long-term player we've been scouting for two seasons or anything like that I think we saw the opportunity and took it do you think um, if that hadn't happened either Vieira or ESR would be starting in that position I think we would have signed somebody else interesting it did sound, I, I mean um it did sound like Havertz had been keeping an eye on Arsenal. Uh, for yeah, but I don't think we, because... I, I don't think Arsenal felt that that was a hundred percent a deal that was going to happen the minute yeah. the window opened. I think that was something that was, hey, look, there's an opportunity. We've we've done some background work on it, but it's not like it's not like the Declan Rice thing where we've been at it for months on end. You know? Yeah, I, I can agree with that, and I think that we should talk about um, Kai Havertz. There's no player in the Arsenal squad at the moment. That that people seem more excited to say he had a shit game than Kai Havertz. He did not have a good game uh, today. He felt like a bit of a peripheral figure, although he did get into position um, for a couple of early chances, but it isn't clicking for him at the moment. Do you think it is unfair of Arsenal fans to get on his back because he, Arteta hasn't really hasn't really given him enough time in that position? He's you know he's gone he's he's gone from playing as a nine to playing as an eight then playing as a nine, then playing as an eight, then playing as a nine. Seems to be a bit all over the place. And I think one of the things that is irking fans a little bit 
is it looks like Arteta is accommodating, is making accommodations elsewhere to ensure Harvards gets a place in the starting eleven. He only made it to 55 minutes today, so obviously Arteta agreed with everybody else. What have you made of his start so far? And like, how long until we see the player that we saw at Bayer Leverkusen three, four, five years ago, or whatever it was? So you know me, I'm an old soul. So look, all I'll say is, um, you know, I was around when we signed Dennis Bergkamp. And uh, I'm not comparing him to Dennis Burkamp, but a lot of people were having these exact conversations about him for about six or seven games. Then all of a sudden it came good. Right. And I think it's fair to say, you know, he's played in a load of different positions, but let's talk about where he was, you know, last season or and the season before playing a football club that, frankly, must be more fun reading the Daily Mail cover to cover every day than being at Chelsea last season. So I suspect there's some kind of emotional trauma there for a young guy kind of coming out of that environment into into what he's come into. And there's quite a lot to adapt to here. I mean, this isn't, you know, this isn't the Arteta team of three years ago where you could find a player that could slot in. He's got very, very specific ideas on each individual player and and the expectations of them. So I, I think he gets there. The, the thing that, for me, keeps giving me hope is he's turning up in the right places. He's not there. I think, you know, I don't think he understands the dynamic nature of some of his teammates yet. And I think that takes time. So that answers the second question as well. It's like, yeah, I think he's making allowances for him. But if you want him to perform at the top level, he's going to eat. Players like that need to be in the team for it to, to happen. So it's no practice matches, um, you know, around this. So, I think he's going to have to do it. Now, I think today was interesting that he realised it wasn't going to happen, so he actually made the change pretty quickly. Um, I think that might happen a bit more. Uh, but let's see. I think Harvard... What do you think his best position is? Do you think he, he'll eventually adopt, uh, you know, pick up that left-sided eight? Do you think he's going to be more of a nine? Or is he just going to be like ex- executed um, around the pitch in the same way that Chamberlain was? Just a little bit of everything. Well, I hope it's not that, because I think... I think he's someone that needs to be in a settled position. I think it all depends on how it turns up with Gabby Jesus. When Gabby Jesus starts, I think it's a very different dynamic in attack. And I think, um, I think he's a left eight in that, in that, in that world. Um, You could argue that with Eddie, it's a slightly different thing. Um, We've asked him to be up top a little bit more to give us that physical presence. But uh, when our starting front man is back, I think uh, it might be a different outcome. Yeah. And I, I really hope that, that when we look back on the career of Harvard, we're not saying oh, he's amazing off the ball. You know, like, I don't like it. It, this, it, it does. It feels like we've got the, uh, someone said in the comments, only the stats geeks like Harvard. And I, at the moment, I'd agree, unless you're looking at the off-the-ball movement. Well, he costs 65 million. I'd like to be looking at goals and assists and uh, like key plays. I don't want to be looking at the off-the-ball stuff. Like you know, I, yeah. w- I want to see output. And when you sign a player for that much money in midfield, they've got to have output that's at least um, equal with Granite Xhaka because Granite Xhaka had good output last year for a midfielder, right? Yeah, but you and I have sat here over many years and had the polar opposite conversation for the four prior seasons around Granite Xhaka, by the way. So, you know, I think it's, I think, uh, firstly, I think everyone's being remarkably unfair on on Havertz. And I think the price tag isn't helping uh, at all. Uh, but frankly, 
I don't care about the price tag. It's not my money. It's not your money at the end of the day. I mean, the club are, I trust the club are making the investments in the right way. I think what we are all worried about is that we don't end up in another sort of Pepe type situation where we've spunked a lot of money on a marquee player. And within a year, it's all kind of gone to shit. Um, I don't think, I don't see that happening with, with this guy. Um, Cause I think, you know, he's been signed by the people that want him, not, not the other way around with the Pepe stuff. So, um, I, I, I don't believe in all this getting on his back stuff. I think it's I think it's crap. I agree with that. I mean, everybody got on Eddie's back, said that we wouldn't win, you know, we couldn't win the league with a striker like Eddie in the side. Um, Arteta has backed him. He's training like a beast and he's he's showing up. I think Harvard's will definitely um, offer more value as the season goes on. But like, it's also a very complicated system that he's coming into, and um, a lot of a lot of pressure is being put on his shoulders. So. Yeah, like you say, totally. Dennis Burkamp took a few games. Thierry Henry took what twelve games to get that goal. Well, I think Dennis was about seven games. I think Thierry was similar. I think both of them managed to let rip. Either it was Leicester or Southampton. I can't remember who it was. But uh, hey, there's one thing that we didn't say about the um, the Vieira thing, by the way. And just because you mentioned Eddie, the cross that Vieira put in for the goal. Actually, if you look at him after he puts the cross in, he stops dead and he's got his hand on his hip, almost like he's waiting for someone to finish it perfectly. Like There's no second movement beyond that to go closer to the ball. I thought it was quite funny. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a good finish as well. Good finish. Great, Great finish. Game, Great finish. Especially because Eddie played a ball into the box and no one was there a little bit yeah. earlier. And then... Uh... And then he, he made sure he was in the middle. For that oh, guy. Yeah. But Arteta was like, I need, I need you in the middle. I need you to be present. Let's talk about Arsenal's uh, game management. Uh, you go 2-1 up at home. You're, you're in control of the game. And you can see um, himself in, in glory for that, uh, for that second goal. There were a few mistakes in the build-up to how that corner came to be. Um, have we got to be better, especially with players like Zinchenko? Should he be making better decisions um, in those moments and not taking unnecessary risks to force the game to a to a three one win? You know, like what did what did you make of how that goal came about? Stop it! I think mean, look, it's all about the build up. I, look, I mentioned the corner earlier. We were statuesque. Some of our players were at that point. It was a well well executed corner, um, and but the, the mistake came before that. The mistake came completely before that. Um, the, you know, we are going to be susceptible to this if we play that way. And we know that that Zinchenko's got that in him, right? And I think if we're going to close games out, he'd already decided to bring Jorginho on for Odegaard pretty much, and they, uh, yeah. that was a prior, prior phase he'd made that change. So he's told the players to shut the game down. So you've got to ask him, why is he, why is he trying to push it up for a 3-1 or whatever else it might be? Um, at that point, you just got to tap it across the park and just keep control of the ball. Um, now, look, the guy's probably pumped full of adrenaline. It's his first, you know, first major contribution of the season. He's turned, taken the game and turned it round for us. Maybe his head got away from him a bit. It's 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 a tough call, but the mistake was not the mistake was concealing the corner in the first place or being in that position. Yeah. Uh, I'd agree with you. And then to, to to let that sort of goal happen from a corner, just uh, painful, painful. Like I thought we were yeah. getting really good at set pieces. How many goals did we concede from corners last year? Not many. Single digits, I mean, you know, so... Low single digits as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we've got to, got to get on top of that. I'm sure Arteta will be fuming after the game about yeah. a lot of those elements. Look, I thought we were remarkably unlucky in the 
you know, three hours of football that we played after. <laughs> um, yeah. We had chances to win it. We definitely did. Yeah. And our XG was three to Fulham's 0.46. And that does lead me to the this next topic. And this might be a little bit painful, but listen, the people are talking about it. Aaron Ramsdale, is change coming? Uh, conceded two goals from three shots on target. Um, it feels like this happens a lot. And I'm not blaming him for the goals today. I think, you know, he had to take a gamble on the first one. Second one is a unbelievable, um, an unbelievable shot through a, a crowd of players. Very difficult to get to that. It does feel like Aaron Ramsdale's shot stopping is under the microscope. David Rea, number four in the Premier League last season. Ramsdale, 12th. It can't have gone unnoticed that... Um, Strikers and uh, opposition teams seem to do very well with very little. Do you think the Aaron Ramsdale should be nervous? And do you think there is anything? Was there anything in today's performance that will make you think that that David Raya might come a little bit sooner than them? Uh, maybe maybe show up in that Man United game. I think any criticism of Ramsdale's performance today is hard. Um, I think you know he was high up the pitch as he was expected to be in possession. Thomas Partey was already in the centre circle. And then, you know, there's a glaring gap at right back and speculative shot is going to happen. I think, by the way, pulled off a blinder, didn't he? We could have we could have lost that game. Late on, the guy, brilliant right? save, yeah. Talking about shot stopper, right? That was a, that was a world-class save. Um, made himself big. He got out there with complete confidence. I think we'll see David Rye when, when Mikel Arteta wants to play David Rye. He's clearly bought him for a reason. I, I think he's actually going to do the rotation on the competitions. And people talk about it not working. I've seen We have seen it work, not necessarily in the Premier League. But, you know, when our, uh, our old boy Wojciech turned up at Juve, you know, he played Champions League and, and uh, you know, Coppa Italia games and... Buffon was at the end of his career playing in the league and then they, over time they switched and Buffon went on. I think whether you can sustain two over three or four seasons like that would be interesting but I don't think there's anything in Aaron Ramsdale did today that would turn around and say that Raya's coming. I think Raya's coming when he's coming. Yeah, okay. All right. I, I, I wonder. My prediction is before the end of September but I wonder whether he gets a itchy trigger finger and goes a little bit early. Mind you, Debut against Manchester United after a, a bit of a painful draw of Fulham. I mean, that really would be that really would be some galaxy brain stuff. But we've seen a we've seen crazier in the past. Well, we have. And by the way, United will be pumped after that today. Annoyingly, yeah. I, I tell you, let's talk about goalkeepers. Uh, Onana does not look like uh, top draw at the moment. Another big error today. Just fell over. Yeah, uh, great with the ball at his feet, but the other parts of his game, I'm not sure how suited they are to the Premier League. At least not looking at it now. It feels a bit Massimo Taibi. Remember him? Oh God, who was the other one that had a really poor start? That City and Chelsea. Do you remember the year that everyone spent like 60 million on a keeper and two of them were crap? Kepa didn't. Yeah. Kepa had a really bad start that as well, even though. Uh, oh, he's back on the bench now because uh, they've got Craig Sanchez, and uh, not Craig Sanchez, David. David Um, All right, uh, let's do uh, Declan, Declan Rice Watch, $105 million player. Um, £105 million, actually. Sorry, got that wrong. Uh, Declan Rice, base of midfield. Uh, when you see Thomas Partey going off early in a game, normally it's pain. But then you go, no, there's no more pain because Declan Rice is in midfield. Wanted to get your take on uh, Declan 
and you know where he stands in the game. I had a bit of a debate uh, with Johnny on the podcast the other day about um, Declan Rice having a lot of tools in his kit. Um, I think Gary uh, Gary Neville was talking about he's not quite Vieira Rice levels. He's more of an SCN, and I thought SCN was an unbelievable player. Wanted to get your take on how you see his career developing and what you thought of his performance out there today. Yeah, I uh, interestingly had a, a, a good conversation with a man like Matt Candela after your conversation about uh, the Vieira Rice comparison, which uh, oh, got, got, no- got a bit fruity on text. But um, the no, look, I, I thought he had another good he had another good game today. And if look, if this is the bare minimum that we're going to get out of Declan Rice and like your, your game on on Monday where I thought he was exceptional is where he's going and it's going to go up and up and up. I think we've got a fantastic player. He's still young. He hasn't played long, long enough for us. Um, But I think, I think he's slotted in beautifully into our team. Um, You know, can you imagine if we haven't got him and we're down, you know, down without Timber, you need party in that midfield. You starting with George. I think actually we're lucky you know, given where we've ended up with the injuries and stuff that we've got him in our squad. Um, I thought, I just love the way he's able to join in and attacks and play that really technical, deft football. Um, I think he's starting to develop a, a, a really nice relationship, slightly more on the right than on the left, perhaps, with sort of Saka, Odegaard, um, White coming in, party around him as well. Um, I see this getting better and better week in, week out. Yeah, I thought uh, he's he's he feels very secure already. Yeah, you know, doesn't doesn't feel like he's taken long to adapt, and he's got a lot of uh, a lot of things that he needs to ingest um, from a tactical perspective over the next few months. But I think right. once he gets up to speed, he's going to be something something else, well, right? By the way, you know the Zinchenko error, the ball goes out near the touchline. It was him that actually ran back, trapped back, and made that tackle. Granted, he yeah, considered the corner, uh, but he did what he had to do, right? I mean, at that point, you're doing the right yeah, thing. And I just think you see that at one end and you see him on the edge of the box at the other end and around the penalty area, and you're just like, this is it's a phenomenal player. I think he's a six and an eight, and I think he'll play in both positions during any game. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. He's he's got a lot of pace, and we've lacked that in midfield. I really am surprised by the pace, actually. Yeah, he's, he can he can he can move with the ball, and yeah. when you see Declan Rice in that midfield, you kind of realise what we lacked with Jacker in it, and Jacker was brilliant last season. Yeah, but um, you can you can see where this is going, and he's got a bit of a shot on him. He, he can keep it under the bar better than Thomas Partey, that's for sure. Did I am um, I was saying to actually to Matt the other, again the other day? I hadn't seen the. Have you seen the Rio Ferdinand Declan Rice interview that yeah. they did? Yeah. And he's so self-aware. It's, it's amazing for a 24-year-old to be the same. I know, I know I need more goals. I've got to do that. It's part of the deal. And he's sitting there going, my God. I mean, the standards he's setting himself are really high. It's like the club's got bloody high standards, but he's there to beat them. I love like, his know, mentality. I love his mentality. He's a mentality monster, isn't he? Yeah, he is. You spent, you spent time uh, in your career working in media. A few people have said to me that having Declan Rice in your midfield is is going to pay dividends media-wise. Rio Ferdinand can't keep away from the Arsenal training ground at the moment. Do you feel like having a Declan in the team, a very likeable English player that could potentially be England captain um, at some point, do you think that that's going to help shift some of the, the negativity that we regularly get from you know platforms like Sky Sports? I think the... Um, 
I think that's really interesting. Uh, I think the, the media thing for me is um, all the lead media pundits in, uh, in the UK, like you're talking about Sky and TNT and all those guys, they're all ex-United players. They're going to hate us. I don't give, yeah, I mean, that's where the bias is coming from. Jamie Carragher, I don't give a shit about him. I can't understand him anyway. But frankly, there's no one with any sense uh, or understanding of how good the football we're trying to play and execute is. Um, you know, Roy Keane, I think, <laughs> saying Roy Keane's the balanced one in this. I think we, we've got our answer, right? But um, look, I, I, I think Declan Rice will not give a shit about it, frankly. I think he, he listens, but I think he takes it as fuel. I think he really takes it as fuel. I think he's one of those guys that starts to take this stuff personally. And if you want to ask me where the comparisons are with, uh, with Vieira, I would say there. Now, I, I, I think Vieira was a lot more direct. Uh, Nasty is the wrong word, but he had that kind of wicked streak in him. Uh, yeah. You didn't see so much of a playful side. I think we see more of a playful side of Declan Rice, but I also think that means when he's on it, like you know, you know he's gonna come. At he you. doesn't look like he's got a nasty offended. streak. He's got a West Ham fan oh. came on this podcast and said he 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 does he he needs to, you know, he, he needs to get a bit more aggressive. But I, you know, you don't you don't necessarily like Thomas Partey doesn't have a nasty streak, and he's one of the best sixes in the world. Rodri does though. Yeah, right. Rodri's Rodri's yeah. a piece of work. We'll remember what he did. So look, was we, it Giratini? We want, we all want a bit more Benny Blanco around the around the park. I we think do, yeah. Saying. I mean, look, you go back to that side, and everyone talks about you know we had a few characters. Actually, I mean, even Dennis Burkamp and Thierry Henry were the masters of the dark arts. I mean, those were they were not by any stretch of the imagination technically gifted, innocent sort of tweedle on tweedle e players. They got stuck in hard. Um, I do. I'd like to see a bit more of that from some of our players. But look, we're winning. I'm not going to complain. No, I'd agree with that. All right, well, we've got uh, we've got maybe four or five days until the transfer window closes. Ash, I want to I want to finish off this podcast by talking about uh, transfer business predictions. Uh, Arsenal have some money to spend. They have some players. To I want to get your predictions on what you think is going to happen over the next few days as clubs splash that emergency cash. Yeah, I um, so I think it's uh. I think it's interesting that it's closing literally hours after the Champions League uh, draw. By the way, I think that would—that's uh, quite an interesting dynamic this season when you got that. But the look, we've clearly got some players on the way out the door. Um, it looks like oh, I may have missed some stuff this morning here, but it looks like um, Tierney's out to Sociedad on loan, if I'm not mistaken. Balogun looks yeah. like it's going to get done. Forty-five um, million. I think that's think? A, I think that's a fantastic deal for the football club. I really, really big do. kickback apparently if uh, if he goes back to the Premier League. Great, uh, I think that's smart. I think we've uh, uh, look. People lose their minds over this stuff. That's on them, not me. But we've held our nerve on this. People have always said we don't hold our nerve. We've oh, we've overpriced him. We're only going to look. We've got damn close to our number. We've got to take it. Um, I, I do want to see a couple of other departures, not because I think. Uh, financially, that's what it is. I think the squad is too big. Um, I don't think we want the manager focused on managing players that aren't going to be in around uh, or be useful to the, to the team. Uh, on that note, I'd, I'd hope that we see sir, the, the, the Tavash thing to Forrest. That eludes me. That was great money. Don't understand why the player's not taking the deal. 
unless he's got something else lined up. Um, I think Sambi, um, I think Cedric's another one. I know he's a God, great player. Please, Cedric, go. My word. Um, and I think what the who was the other one I was thinking? There's one more on that. Uh, look, Rob Holding. I'm a I'm a Rob Holding apologist. I think the man has done a great job for this club, but I suspect his time is nigh now. Um, I want to see him get a good deal. I want. I do want to see him get a good deal. Yeah. To a, I think he's a really good Premier League centre half for teams that play in the way that suit him. Um, I, I don't think he's a top four player. I think he's going to be dropping down into that. You'd, you'd hope to the sort of in the top ten, but at the same time, he could also go and do a really good job somewhere else. You know, in a, in a club on the up. Um, and uh, I, I'm a big fan of his. Um, I don't understand how people have got behind him. This guy's won us a cup final. He's played man of the match performances. He's saved more games than his mistake made mistakes. Doesn't make a lot of errors. Yeah, and people are going to get on him for the minute you make one, aren't they? So, but I think that's who I'd like. I, I would expect to see a guy. I think possibly one of the keepers needs to go as well. Um, I don't know why Runnison's still on the books, to be honest. <laughs> um, we gave him a contract. No one else in the world will give it. Right. It is what it is, right? But yeah. um, and then. The question is, do we get one more in? Yeah, I've got Joe King in the comments saying, tell us exactly what Holding has ever done for the club. Are you kidding me, mate? Are you kidding? Like, you never wa didn't watch any of the FA Cup finals. Joe King. Joe, Joe King. Are you Joe King? Because yeah. Rob Holding is part of one of the greatest cup finals. Final wins. Jump out of the chat, my friend. Yeah. I think Joe King, I think, I think Joe, uh, Joe may be from the other half of North London and found himself in the wrong place, mate. There you go. I think we need, I think we might say, but I'm back in. I think uh, two positions that we might um, sign for. I, I'm keeping an eye because Saka coverage is lacking for me and he hasn't had a, you know, what's he played? 83 consecutive Premier League games. Yeah. If, he gets, if he goes out injured, I do not believe think, in Reese Nelson like everybody else seems to. Well, I think you, we're going to have to believe in Reese Nelson. I don't think it's a priority for the club. We'll see. I And then it does seem like we're, we're, we're going to try, but judging by rumours, to go back in for a timber replacement, which is um, absolutely mental. But um, we are in a very similar situation fullback-wise, to the one we were last year. Sinchenko yeah. is injury-prone. He's not going to play 50 games in a row. And and we're banking on Tierney not being around in any kind of form. So I, I, I do think that's where we need the cover the most. And Kivior is not looking like a fullback to me. No. Not, I don't fancy no. it. I think, he, I think he played well at centre-half when he was moved across when we brought Sinchenko on, by the way. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. All right. Well, um, transfer deadline day will be fun. Um, we've come to the end of our podcast. Um, Ash, thank you so much for uh, for joining. Where can people find you on the internet? Or do you even want people to find you on the internet? You're one of those I, guys. I don't, I don't look at Twitter because, frankly, I don't want to live in that mental asylum. Yeah, I, I think that that is, a, that is a safe move. Ash, we're going to get you back on the podcast more this season. Thank yeah, you for joining. Right, mate. Loving your thoughts. People in the comments have too. And remember, if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple, give us a five-star review. We've also got a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal Opinion. Uh, we'll be back with some more podcasts in the week. Uh, go and have a drink. Uh, if, you're, if you're talking suicidal stuff in the comments, like pick it up. It's a draw. Um, 
we we did all right today. There's a it's a long season ahead. Plenty of teams are going to draw against Fulham. And on that note, I'll say ciao for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.